Hello, everybody. You guys fired up? Ready for today or what? You ready? All of our locations, we love you a ton. Hey, we are no longer a church with four locations. Now we have five because last week we launched Mockingbird Station. Y'all, it went incredibly well. So thank, I want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for giving financially. Thank you, those of you who showed up to help. Uh, thank you for those of you who are no longer here right now at 1015, but you're over at the uh, Mockingbird Station location providing space for more individuals. So thank you so, so much. Uh, but we've got North Dallas as well. We've got Bishop Arts Oak Cliff, uh, obviously White Rock and Antigua, Guatemala, and all of us, one church, all these locations, and all of us trying to point people to Jesus and encourage folks' hearts. So we're glad that everyone is with us today. Cannot wait to see what God's going to do in and through every single one of us. If you're with us for the first time, uh, my name is Earl, and I'm thrilled uh, that you are here, and that my name is Earl is not a joke. It's actually my real name that my mom gave me. I know it's terrible, just we'll just move past that. Uh, and if your name is Earl, I apologize <laughs> about that, but it's a bad name. And, uh, but we're, we're really, really glad that all of you are here and want you to know that we love you. Uh, might be a new environment for you coming into Shoreline City, and all these people are uh, singing and saying hello and shaking your hand and being friendly. And you might be used to uh, people mean mugging you when you go to church. Uh, we try to take the opposite approach here and try to really treat you how we believe Jesus would treat you if you walked into his, his presence. And, and we're hoping, hoping honestly that you feel like you're in his presence when you get around uh, this church community. We are far from perfect. But we are so, so excited about what God has in store for every one of us. Uh, we've been in a series called Mobilize. And last week uh, with this series, it got real up in here. Okay, it got real. Uh, we're not going to get that real today, but we're not going to shy away from dealing with the very real issues that, that all of us are facing. We want to really help individuals. I want to help myself. I want to help you. I want to help your family, help your story, your life, whether you're married or single to get to the place that God is calling you to be. He is not done with any of us yet. So whether you're brand new starting off your career or you're thinking about retirement, uh, if you're still breathing, that means God has something he wants to do in you and through you, right? So uh, I want to make sure we keep that mindset. And we're trying to get ready in 2019 for all that God wants to do in 2020 and beyond. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look in verse number 3, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The title of today's message is Duck, Duck, Goose. Duck, Duck, Goose. I've got a four-year-old and uh, the other day, just the two of us. Supposed to play duck, duck, goose. It's two people, okay? How are you going to play duck, duck, goose with two people? 
Uh, so I'm trying to explain to Elle, my daughter, I'm like, Elle, Elle, there's, there's two of us, okay? So you can't play duck, duck, goose with two people. You need, you need a, a number of people, at least five people to play. No, da- daddy, daddy, duck, please, daddy, daddy. She's four. She's my daughter. She's my favorite. So I'm like, yes, let's do this. So there we go. We sit down. And she goes, duck, duck. <laughs> it's just me. Duck, duck, <laughs> goose gets up, runs, <laughs> I get up, I chase her, and we do this for I don't know how long, just the two of us playing duck, duck, goose. Uh, it's, it's funny, of course, Ellen and I, you know, playing that silly game, just the two of us, but it gave me a really clear picture uh, knowing we we're going to deal with this text today, strongholds. The stronghold really could be similar to the game Duck, Duck, Goose. It's like you're just going in circles over and over and over and over and over again. That's the point of the game. The point of tag is to touch somebody and run the opposite direction. The point of Duck, Duck, Goose is you stay in the same circle and you move from spot to spot, but really you're just in the same circle. And some of us, this is a picture of our life. We are in the same circle. Now, maybe we move from a different city, but we're still in the same cycle. Maybe we have a different job. Maybe we have a different spouse. Maybe we have a different loved one. Maybe we have a different boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe we're driving a different car. But at the end of the day, if we look at our lives, we can see that we're in the exact same circle, cycle that we have been in for years. For some of us, we can even look at our lives and see that it's the same cycle that our parents were in. We're looking at their life going, oh, we said when we were younger, we were never going to be them. Now we're looking at our lives like, oh, my goodness, how did I become them? Duck, 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 goose. Around and around and around we go. When you become a follower of Christ, uh, Jesus is a cycle breaker, okay? He, He interrupts cycles. He interrupts the the patterns that people have had for years. You can go through the Gospels. You can see this, a woman that has been battling something for 18 years. Jesus interrupts that cycle that she's been in. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus interrupts that, that, that stronghold that she was in. You can look at the disciples in the book of Acts walking up to the man at the gate called Beautiful. He had been there day after day after day. It was a cycle that he was in. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, what Jesus does is, she breaks cycles. So here, here we have me and Elle playing duck, duck, goose. And it's funny <laughs> when it's me and my four-year-old. But it's not funny when it's alcoholism. It's not funny when it's bitterness. It's not funny when it's insecurity. It's not funny when it's pornography. It's not funny when it's unforgiveness. It's not funny when it's any of those things, but we have a Savior that's saying, hey, let's, let's interrupt. Now, the crazy thing is our world will try to tell those of us who are followers of Jesus, hey, what's your deal? Why are you going to church all the time? You're conforming. What are you doing here? You're drinking some Kool-Aid? And I ask my friends, and you can ask your friends the same question. It's like, well, am, am I the one conforming? Because when I look at my friends and those who are not following Jesus, I see many of them going from bed to bed to bed to bed to bed to bed to bed. I see many of them battling the same struggles over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
I see them living in a world that says to you and I, it says, hey, don't look out for anybody else and look out for yourself. It says you don't need to forgive. Matter of fact, you better hold that grudge because if not, somebody will get an edge on you and then you'll, you'll lose your edge and you won't be able to be who you're supposed to be in life. I see this world telling you and I to live by a set of standards that are contrary to the gospel because Jesus is not about you getting bigger. As a matter of fact, he's about you and I becoming less so that he can become greater. He's about you and I laying down our lives for others so that we can propel them forward and it's in pushing other people forward that you and I actually step into all that God has called us to be. And when the world says you are not supposed to forgive, Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, no, don't just forgive him one time. Don't just forgive him seven times. Forgive him 70 times seven. Not saying 490, really saying it needs to be inexhaustible. You keep on forgiving as much as you need to forgive because the grace of God has forgiven you. That's what the way of Christ says it's anything but conforming it's incredibly counter-cultural it is you and I being transformed by the renewing of our mind this is not cookie cutter my friends if you want to be a follower of Jesus you better get ready to fight you better get ready to stand up you better get ready to have a backbone you better get ready to be willing to be stepped on but when God lets you get stepped on just so you know he'll elevate you at due time the God of heaven has not forgotten about his kids and he has not forgotten about you but this way of Jesus it's different it's different it's interesting to me how someone can say I've become a follower of Christ but their life looks no different mm, friend I don't know what Jesus you're following because <laughs> every time I seem to start moving forward in my walk with God it seems like another cycle gets exposed he wants to deal with another part of me that I didn't even know was there but he always does it with grace. He always does it with love. He does it with kindness. This word stronghold might be new for some of us. It shows up around 50 times in the Bible. And this word uh, stronghold really, really depicts the, it's like a picture of a, of a fortress that would be hard to, to access with a difficult access point. It'd just be, be hard to get into and some of us might have Robin Hood or something like that coming up in our brains, you know, some massive castle. Some of us might have Game of Thrones coming to our, our heads uh, right now. Just think, it, it's hard to get into this certain thing. It's a, it's a stronghold. Many times there might be some type of moat in between the, 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 the land and the, the, the castle. It's just, it's just a difficult access point. In this uh, passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul is using stronghold to refer to attitudes and mindsets. Ever met someone that has a stronghold in their attitude or mindset? We bump into them all the time. I was playing basketball the, the other day and I uh, bumped into a guy that I felt like had a stronghold. <laughs> Maybe he thought the same about me. I don't know. He's want to argue with me about if you can lose your salvation or not. He found out I was a pastor. I try not to tell people I'm a pastor, so I cuss a lot when I'm on the court. Kind of get in with the people. <laughs> Shut your... No, just kidding. I, do, I actually don't do that. I don't do that, okay? I don't. <laughs> I actually am trying to be a Christ follower on the court as well. Uh, <laughs> but I'll give you a little elbow in the back if I need to get a rebound. Anyway, uh, this guy's one... <laughs> Want to argue, want to argue with me. And 
And it made me think about the stronghold of religion. Very, very, very strong stronghold. It can, uh, can keep people trapped because we preach the gospel, and the gospel is that you cannot do anything to earn your salvation. Like zero, nothing. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be clean enough. You cannot be smart enough. You cannot be rich enough. You cannot be single enough. You cannot be married enough. You cannot be old enough. You cannot be young enough. There is nothing that you and I can do to ever earn our salvation. It is a free gift that has come through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how it has come. And not only does our salvation come that way, literally living our life in the goodness and the grace of God, it continues in that way as well. You and I do not lose our salvation because of our behavior. If you didn't get it because of your behavior, you can't lose it because of your behavior. You have been grafted in. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. It cannot be erased. God knows you and loves you and he is for you and he is with you forever. That is what the Bible teaches. But it's hard for some people to believe that. Because we know you lose your job if you don't do your job. That's where the world works. You can't show up to job and be like, Grace, you're an hour and a half late. Yeah, but I'm under the blood of Jesus. Mm, you might be, <laughs> but you're late. Bye, Felicia. You know, you get, you get let go. For, for you and I, the world we live in is not a grace world. It's a works world. I understand that. In, in, in relationships, it, it works that way as well. But in, in with, uh, with us being parents, you don't, you don't parent your kids that way. At least you're not supposed to. You love your kids despite their behavior, despite the decisions that they make. And trust me, there are times you want to go, you know what? You're too and you're demon-possessed. <laughs> I'm out. You don't do it because this is your child, your love. You don't cease being the child's parent because of the child's behavior. You are the child's parent. For you and I, we need to understand that God is looking down from heaven. He is so on our side. And his love for you is incredibly real. It is not changing. It is not going up. It's not going down based on your behavior. And for many of us, we still don't believe it. And it's a religious stronghold that's in your mind. You can read a book in the Bible called the book of Galatians. It'll remind you that this is not coming from works. It came by faith. You want another book to read? It's a great book. It's called Classic Christianity. It's a fantastic book. I think it's his, the author's name is Bob George. Great book on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and the story of grace. Racism is another stronghold in people's minds. This is not just in America either. In America, I know we like to make it black, white, Hispanic. Uh, Asians kind of get thrown in there sometimes. You know, they're like the forgotten minority a lot of times. You guys can laugh about that. You're like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> America, we make it about these, these certain groups and not about some other groups. But in other parts of the world, individuals, there's all types of racism and, and prejudice all over our world. And people are putting each other in groups based on some of the silliest things. 
and I can't talk to that person because they live on that side of the country or they were born on that side of the track so they wear those types of clothes or they speak that language or that dialect and there's all this infighting and all over the world because people have a stronghold when it comes to how they see people that are a little bit different than them. Alcoholism. Stronghold. Stuck in a cycle. Going around and around and around and around and around. Duck. I had a friend that didn't know they had a problem. But many times you get stuck in a cycle like that, you don't even see that you're in it. And you're hurting people that you love and you care about and don't even notice. You think they're the problem. You don't even realize that you're living in a toxic cesspool of selfishness and a disease that is tearing your life apart. Cycles, circles, duck, 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 goose. Um, I read a book um, not too long ago uh, called uh, The Power of Habit. Um, it's not a, a Christian book or anything, um, but I encourage you to read it. It's a, it's a wonderful leadership book, if, especially if you're leading a team or organizations or honestly even if you're leading yourself. Uh, it's it's a, fa- a fascinating book, and it's really about the power of habit. I like when the book says <laughs> what it's about. Uh, it makes it really, really clear, and it talks about how all of us end up getting in some cycles, and and the cycle is this, cue, routine, reward. 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 A cue is some stimuli, something that happens to you that that brings up a a certain emotion. It could be a smell. It could be a place. Some people, when they get in an elevator, there's a a cue that happens because maybe you were locked in one at one point in time. So you get in an elevator, and you're like, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm nervous now. Some people, a cue is church. Mention it to them. My wife was just uh, uh, with some friends in... uh, um, they were, they were staying at this hotel while Onika was speaking someplace, and, uh, and the lady uh, comes in to, to get the room already to clean their room, and, and the lady says, hey, are you all, you all here for like a girls' weekend? They're like, oh, actually, we're here at a, at a conference, a church, church conference, uh, a woman's conference. And she goes, a church conference? You can finish it. I ain't been to church in 40 years. They didn't, even, they didn't even say anything to her. Just mentioned church. Because her, she didn't know this, but the pastor was her father. He's paying her mother for years and years and years some child support, but never claimed that she was his daughter. Mentioned church. It's a cue. Some of your friends. <laughs> To say church, it's judgmental. I talked to somebody the other day. Who was telling me this? Oh, I I, I won't say who told me. But uh, they're going to be, I think he might be black or she, he might be white. I'm not sure. But but he's interested in dating somebody who uh, is either black or white. So it's going to be an interracial relationship. And he's wondering what the church thought about it. I'm like, what do you mean? What do we think about it? Because his parents, four years ago, were kicked out of a church. Because they were an interracial couple. Four years ago. It's 2019. 
to Q. I'm just saying there's some people that they're not willing to go some certain places because it's a cue. It reminds them of something. So I can't get there. It's a stronghold. It's a cycle. And then you get in a routine. You get in a routine. You do a certain thing every time that cue happens. Some people cuss. Some people yell. Some people dance. Some people eat. Some people smoke. Some people do a whole bunch of other things. You do a whole host of things anytime that cue happens. Then you get a reward. The reward might be something good or it might be something bad, uh, but there is some type of feeling, whether pleasant or unpleasant, that happens and your body gets in a cycle with this thing. Now, not all cue routines and rewards are bad things, okay? Some of them are when you get in your car in the morning and you're on your way to work, that's your brain's cue. Oh, you're going to work. So you get in a routine, you ever drive to work, don't even remember you got there? How did your reward is I guess you get a paycheck or you made it there safely. Because what your brain is designed to do, it's designed to file away as many things as possible, make them as automatic as they can possibly be so that you don't have to think about things. To leave you space for other creativity. It's all in this book. It was fascinating. So this is how your brain and my brain works. Cue, routine, reward. Cue, routine, reward. Cue, routine, reward. You want to break the cycle? You're going to have to figure out what is my cue. You can get, get a new routine, and then you hopefully can get a new reward as well. But you got to figure out a way to break that cycle. Well, with this um, cue, routine, reward cycle, as is most commonly the case, a New Testament truth is best exemplified in an Old Testament story. So I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. I want to read Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 through 5, and let's begin to unwrap this. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Okay. I, uh, th this is an Old Testament story. Um, the children of Israel, they've been wandering around for years and years and years and years and years. They get there. Chapter, verse number one of chapter six says they get to Jericho. It's massive. It's secure. It's, it's tied up. You, you can't get in and you can't get out. It's a stronghold. This city of Jericho would have been a major city in the Bible times, even long before the children of Israel even showed up in this moment. It's been around for years and years and years. This city has two massive walls, okay, an inner wall and an outer wall. And these two walls have uh, some space in between them, and there's a bunch of land in between these two walls. So it's just trying to reinforce, you can't get in here. This is the way it is for a lot of strongholds. One wall here, another wall here. You can't get in here. 
you can't mess with this part of my life. You can't talk to me. You can't deal with this. I want you to shut your mouth. As a matter of fact, if you try to get in here, I will raise up. I'll say you're against me. I'll tell everybody else that you don't like me. Anytime you try to get into a stronghold like this, it's secure. It's tight. But in order for you to enter into your next season of promised land, you're going to have to deal with the stronghold that's in front of you. Do not think it uncommon for strongholds to show up when it's time for you to go into a new season of blessing. Don't think it weird that a stronghold pops up whenever it's time for you to step into a new level of authority. This is what happens. Don't, don't be surprised when all hell breaks loose whenever you're about to take possession of what God has given you. It kind of comes with the territory. In order for you to go from one season into the next season, you have to be willing to deal with your stronghold so that this thing can be torn down so that you can go into where God's trying to take you. I, uh, I, I know some single people want to be married one day. Don't be surprised. Whenever you find the one that you want to marry, don't be surprised that some strongholds pop up. I can think of one in my own life I had to deal with. Anger. Now, I'm a really nice person. See it? <laughs> but, but this was something that I didn't even know was really in me. My mom would, would tell you when I was a teenager, I was a teenager, again, I was pretty happy-go-lucky, nice guy, but man, my little sister, she could make me so mad at times, like any little sister can. And she could make me so mad. I remember one time, I mean, I don't remember how old I was. My mom is here. She can probably I mean, I may have been 13, 14 years old, and she put me in charge of watching my sister. My sister is, you know, four years younger than me, and my mom uh, had a meeting or something. My sister's not listening, and she goes upstairs, my sister, and I'm so mad, and I just punched the door, put a hole in the door. We ended up putting some random weird thing over that hole for a really long time. We lived in the ghetto, so they didn't come fix that thing right away. So hung out for a while. My mom hates when I say that, but it's true. So anger. I remember uh, sitting for our premarital counseling, my, my wife and I. And I remember casually bringing this up. And I remember my mentor looking at me square in the eye, saying, Earl, you better deal with it. You will not bring this into you. I, it was something I, I didn't really process through. But then I started thinking back to, to how I would respond at times. And I'm thinking, I know I don't want to respond that way. I could never see myself hitting my wife, and I don't ever want to do that. So let me make sure I deal with this thing right now. I want to make sure I'm never trying to dominate her and trying to use my strength and my power over her. I want to make sure she always knows she's safe and she's loved and she's cared for and she's cherished. So God, do what you have to do on the inside of me to make sure that this stronghold of anger is not something that drives me. I don't want to be in that cycle forever. Would you tear down these walls in my life? 
I'm happy to tell you, I'm happy to tell you, man, it's been, what, 20-something years, Onik and I have been married. We actually, we actually, she and I have never raised our voices at each other in our entire marriage, never one time. It's not because we're awesome. It's just because we decided, we decided, you know what? We're not letting that stronghold come into our family. Because when you start growing, you start discovering some things even about your family sometimes that you didn't know was there. I didn't know my father quit. I didn't know my mom ever cheated on my dad. I didn't know there was depression in my family. I didn't know my grandfather did that. I didn't know my uncle did that. You, just, you start discovering some things. You start wondering, is that me too? Is that in me? Can, 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 am I capable of that? Because I don't think that I am. But I want God to make sure he exposes everything that might even be a possibility in my life. Because I'm walking in freedom. Because I'm trying to get to this promised land that he's given me. I'm trying to get to a place of freedom and hope, wholeness and life that he's called me to. And I'm not going to let Jericho get in the way of where God's trying to take me. So he gets there and he sees that it's secure. He sees that it's secure. But verse number two says, look at this. God says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with his king and its fighting men. I've already given you something. I've given you something that you've yet to possess. I've given you something that you've yet to possess. I've given you something that you've yet to possess. Okay, uh, think about TVs, TVs for a second. Now you can get a 155-inch TV for like $7, right? I'm so grateful for TV technology, the... the uh, the supply and demand, the competition in the TV market is wonderful. So you can get a massive TV now for a lot cheaper than you might be able to get a TV years ago. And say you go online, you hear that there's some Sony television that's 65 inches and it's on sale for $7. You're like, yes, I'm getting this TV. So you go on bestbuy.com, you buy that television, you get, you use your debit card, not your credit card, use your debit card, it's automatically taken out of your account. You get now this confirmation number, it says your TV is to be picked up at the Park Lane Best Buy over over there next to North Park Mall. You're like, okay, yes, I am going. And you go there and there's that one TV left. You have your confirmation number and there's somebody else there saying, hey, I want to buy the TV. Well, you can't have it. It's mine. Well, you weren't here. I was here. It doesn't matter if I was there or not. I actually paid for it online. Now when I show up, I expect to get what I paid for. You don't possess it, but it's yours. Are you following me? And too many of us are willing when we show up to Best Buy and the enemy goes, you can't have this peace. You can't have this joy. You can't have your potential. You weren't here in time. And too many of us go, okay, you're right. I wasn't here in time. I'm worth nothing. It's like, no, the cross already paid for that thing for you. Why in the world would you not possess what was already purchased for you? And I gets there, he's like, I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. But what I need you to do is I need you to now walk around the city. I need you to walk around the city once every day for six days. Okay, okay, Lord, Lord, okay. Then what? No, no, no. I just need you to walk around the city once a day for six days. You mean like walk? Can we all be honest? This is a dumb strategy. Can we be honest when reading the Bible go, okay, this doesn't make any sense at all. This doesn't make any sense. If, if, I'm, if I'm God, this is not my strategy. Ooh, walk. Okay, guys. Okay, yeah. Uh, can you imagine Joshua? <laughs> 
manifesting this vision. <laughs> all right, children of Israel. We're about to receive all that God has for us. What are you going to do? Walk, man. Walk around it and then go back to camp. And people did it. I wish the Bible recorded their conversations at camp. Joshua has lost his mind. This is the dumbest thing. I wish I was in charge. I need to be in charge right here. Who put Joshua in charge and walk around the city? This is stupid. I'm just telling you, God will sometimes ask you to do some things that doesn't make any sense at all, but you have to be willing to obey what God asks you to do if you want the miracle that God has for you. And some things don't make any sense at all. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense to tithe. I can't tithe. I don't make enough. God's like, you better, this is dumb. It's like walking around a city once a day for six days. Forgive your ex. It's dumb. I ain't doing that. Why would, what, that business partner stabbed me in the back. I'm not forgiving him. I'm not forgiving her. I'm done with them. I didn't ask you to let them back into your life. I asked you to forgive them. Those are, those are two very different things. Are you willing to release them from the debt that they owe you? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense sometimes to go to growth track. Doesn't make any sense sometimes to join a connect group. Doesn't make any sense sometimes to be willing to worship in the middle of the pain and nothing has changed yet. Doesn't make sense sometimes to pray when you, when you don't see the answer in front of you. Doesn't make any sense to do a whole bunch of things that God asks you to do. But if you're willing to do what he asks you to do, when he asks you to do it, I'm telling you, this obedience word is a powerful word. You get yourself into alignment with what God is trying to do in your life. And it's amazing the blessing blessings that flow he says hey hey start walking start walking they start walking around they're like okay once a day duck 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 goose now this is a good circle this is a good cycle because now they're getting themselves in alignment with what God is asking them to do instead of being in their own cycle where they're doing what they want to do now they're getting in the cycle of what God is asking them to do. And when you begin to get in the cycle of what God is asking you to do, and it doesn't make any sense, but you keep on doing it anyway, seventh day comes and you go, okay, I'm going to walk around six times. On the seventh time, at the end, I'm just going to start shouting. I'm gonna, you're, you're, the trumpet's going to sound. We're all just going to shout. We're all just going to shout, okay? And then the wall's going to come tumbling down. No, how is that possible? I'm just telling you, we're just going to do what God tells us to do. So, all right, there's one time, okay, I did it. So you want us to walk around again? Yep, I want you to walk around again. Okay, two times, nothing has happened yet. I didn't tell you anything was going to happen yeah, I just need you to obey what I said for you to do. And now if you stop at step number two, you don't get what you're going to get on step number seven. So you have to keep going all the way through, even when it doesn't make any sense. And it keeps on walking. They all keep on walking. Three, 
four, five, six. And on that seventh time, they all shout. These walls come down. There were treasures on the inside of Jericho that they had never even seen before. They go in and they get the treasures. I'm telling you, when the walls come down, that's where the treasures on the other side of the walls coming down. If you'll be willing to go through the process of God changing and transforming and molding you and making you and shaping you into who he destined for you to be, I promise you there's more treasure on the other side of those walls you could ever possibly imagine. Friends, we talked about these master classes last week. We wanted to have some time where we can deal with some of these strongholds. So we have master classes, literally four of them. They're happening the first Wednesday of every month from October, November, December. The first Wednesday of every month, we've got a finance one. We've got a relationship one. We've got one on fear and anxiety. Last week, we dealt with pornography, but I told you I'm not going to have a pornography master class because I don't know who's going to go to it. <laughs> Porn right here. I ain't going in there, man. Okay, I'm going to finance. <laughs> so we're calling that one uh, harmful habits or hurtful habits. So whatever, whatever your habit might be, it might be overeating. It might be, uh, could, be uh, could be a host of alcoholism, could be pornography, could be whatever you want. Something in your life that you're like, I don't want that cycle in my life anymore. You'll go to that session. All these are on our app. I would encourage you. I just want you to sign up and say, yeah, I'm going to be there. And what we're going to be doing over these next number of months with connect groups and with these master classes, we're going to deal with all of these things because we want to see walls come down so the treasure can be released and we can go into the promised land that God has for us. We got to be willing to do what God is asking us to do. What's the next step he's calling for you to do? What's the next thing he's asking of you? What's the next step he's asking you to take? You might not have to take my step, but you're going to have to take a step. And if you're willing to, just know that God is counting your steps. And he's got that Apple Watch. And when you hit 20,000, boom. But the miracle doesn't happen at 10,000. The miracle doesn't happen at 15,000. You got to be willing to keep on taking the steps. So you got to keep forgiving your wife. You got to keep forgiving your husband, even though it, you feel like it's not working. Well, he told me if I served her and if I washed her feet and I didn't yell at her that everything would be better. Hey, you've only been doing it for three months, okay? But you've had 13 years of things being toxic. I need you to keep on going here. You got to cue a routine and reward. That's a bad one. I need you. It's going to take some time for this thing to be switched. But if you're willing to take the time, the God of heaven will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't have room enough to receive. That's just not a finance scripture. That's a life scripture for you. The God of heaven is on your side, church family. Are we willing? Bow your heads at you in mind for just a moment at all of our locations. All of our locations, I want you to bow your heads. I'm believing a transformation to happen in every heart and life under the sound of my voice. I'm believing the God of heaven is working and moving. He's not intimidated by any of our stories. And walls will be coming down. The first step for any of us, though, is for us to find our hope and our life in Jesus Christ. If you're under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him first, you've never made him number one, you've never made him the boss of your life. Or you're under the sound of my voice, you're saying, there was a time I was following Jesus, but I've gotten off the path, I've gone another direction. 
whether you're in the balcony, on the floor, whether you're at Mockingbird or Oak Cliff or North Dallas, even if you're watching online. If you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, or at one point in time you didn't, you've gone another direction. But today you sense the grace of God saying, son, daughter, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to surrender your heart and your life to me. It's time for you to get out of the driver's seat of your car. It's time for you to give me the keys of your life. That's you here on the count of three. I want you to do something simple but something bold. I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. I want to make him first. I want to make him number one. Come on, this is a moment of transformation. You know God's knocking on your heart. Just respond with a yes. You're responding with a yes. You're saying, yes, God, you can have me. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you lift your heads up, church family? Clap our hands at all of our locations. Hey, I want to turn it over to your campus pastor right now. Man, I celebrate, we celebrate what God is doing in every single heart and life. But we've got some very clear next steps so we can keep on becoming all that God has called us to be. I've got Rachel and Alan Tuttle here. They're going to give us all of those next steps.